As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KCAA Radio has openings for one-hour talk shows. If you want to host a radio show, now is the time. Make KCAA your flag. KCAA Loma Linda, 10.50 a.m., 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. President Biden is citing ongoing progress in the fight against COVID. Daily cases are down 47%. Hospitalizations are down 38 percent over the past six weeks. Speaking at the White House, Biden argued there's much more work to do and said there are still far too many Americans who have not been vaccinated. Biden again defended vaccination requirements in the workplace and said they work. He also said vaccines for children 5 to 11 may soon be authorized. New York real estate heir Robert Durst is getting life in prison for the murder of a friend more than two decades ago. Durst was sentenced in California Thursday one month after being convicted of killing Susan Berman in the Los Angeles area in 2000. Hackers are going after water and wastewater treatment sectors. That's according to a joint advisory from the FBI and other agencies. The notice said the ongoing malicious cyber activity threatens the ability of sector facilities to provide clean, potable water and effectively manage the wastewater of communities. The agencies noted ransomware attempts between 2019 and 2021 have happened to facilities in California, Nevada, Maine, and New Jersey. Multiple reports say Attorney General Merrick Garland will go before a House panel to testify next week. Lisa Taylor reports. The Judiciary Committee has an oversight hearing scheduled for the Department of Justice on October 21st. This would be Garland's first appearance before the panel. He's likely to face questions over the department's decision to fight the controversial Texas abortion law in court and his decision to investigate some parents who are protesting against school boards. I'm Lisa Taylor. In a promising sign of recovery, Southern California's Laguna Beach is reopening its shoreline and water to the public. The beach has been closed for just under two weeks after an oil spill. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Attention all business owners, join C's Candies, Big Lots, Dollar Tree, and the Spunky Steer at the Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands. Availability is now open for restaurants, retail, and more. Located between Alabama and the Tennessee exits where the 10 and the 210 meet, your company can be a part of over 60 retail shops, restaurants, and local businesses. The Tri-City Shopping Center is zoned for multi-use, so call today and schedule an appointment. Ask for Chris Bochamp or John Jennings, 951-684-4400. The Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands. The mall with a heart. Rice Fire Protection reminds listeners that more and more veterans will be returning home over the next few years, and many are local. These heroes have elite military training and valuable professional skills. They also need jobs, too. That's why Rice Fire Protection is encouraging all local businesses. Let's make it the year we hire smart and hire vets. That's a message from Rice Fire Protection at 24300 Vera Lane in Moreno Valley. For top quality service at prices you can afford, call 951-243-6677. That's 951-243-6677 for Rice Fire Protection. Are you ready for a new experience? 
to see life from another point of view. New hope, new expression, new joy. This is your radio hour. Welcome to Viewpoint with Father John. Welcome, friends. You're tuned to KCAA Radio, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, or on the World Wide Web at kcaaradio.com. This is Viewpoint with Father John, and I am your guest host tonight, Dr. John Smith. Uh, Many of you know me. I've been a frequent guest on the show, and I'm Father John's fill-in host. Uh, Some of you may know Father John uh, uh, fell ill. He's doing okay. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that he's at home, he's resting, uh, he's getting his strength back. Uh, He's going to come back real strong probably next week, I'm guessing, but if not, for sure within the next couple of weeks. And uh, if you knew that he was under the weather, uh, just continue to wish him well. Uh, And as he gets stronger, he'll be responding to many of you. And like I say, I'm sure he'll be back on the air uh, very soon, if not next week, very soon. So uh, let's wish him well. But just so you know that uh, he's okay and he's he's home, he's doing okay, he's doing all right. Um, You can follow us on Instagram and you can follow us on Facebook at Viewpoint with Father John. Also, if you've missed any past shows or you want to just uh, catch up on any past shows that you wanted to see again, uh, you can go to YouTube. Just search for Viewpoint with Father John KCAA, and you'll be able to find all of the past shows. So I want to shout out real quick Father John's famous Claremont Pharmacy is one of his uh, famous haunts that he goes to and uses. He wanted me to make sure that I continue to acknowledge Claremont Pharmacy and the great service that he receives from Dr. Nikki Ho, who is the pharmacist, lead pharmacist at uh, Claremont Pharmacy. It's right on uh, the corner of Indian Hill and Arrow Highway in a little strip mall there. Uh, It's kind of hidden back in there, but, uh, boy, they offer some great service. So... uh, Wanted to, wanted to shout out there. All of God's children are endowed with extraordinary purpose and ability. Father John is on a quest to help as many as possible in fully realizing their divinely inspired potential. Disposing of false narratives and embracing genuous inspires clarity of purpose. Father John's role, and mine as well, is to help overcome self-imposed limitations in realizing one's spiritual potential. So that's Father John's mission, and uh, I believe he's living it to the fullest. So uh, I support him 100% in, in, that, in that mission. So I was sitting here thinking, what am I going to talk about tonight? And I thought there were, I, I've, I've had some requests to talk about some, some things that have uh, that I've brought up before in the past when I've uh, been a guest host on the show. And Father John and I, of course, have talked about some of these topics uh, as well uh, in the shows we've done together. Uh, so I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll recycle some of that because I think it's really timely. And I was sitting here thinking, I'm tired. And I don't mean just tired from the day. I'm just tired of what's going on. Uh, what's been happening with COVID and uh, really everything else that seems to be happening in our world right now. Uh, it's just draining me. And uh, I, I know that I'm a pretty strong and resilient guy, but I know I haven't been feeling myself. I just haven't really felt like myself lately. I've been, uh, uh, I, I would say I've been feeling depressed, not not necessarily clinically depressed, but really down. Uh, I've been more anxious and, and worried uh, than usual for no specific reason, I don't think. Uh, I've actually been accident prone. I, I darn near killed myself a, 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 about a month ago. Literally, I tripped in the dark and fell through a glass window, cutting my arm severely and actually nicking an artery. So I bled quite a lot. I guess it was worse than I thought it was. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I know how I'm feeling, and I know a lot of people that I know. Uh, work with or know personally who are experiencing some of the, some similar things and they're and they're not feeling right and they're you know they're more irritable they're tired they're burned out 
uh, all of these things are going on. And I think, again, it has to do with we're all kind of in shell shock, which is a, another name for post-traumatic stress disorder. So we're all traumatized from the experience of going through what we've been going through, which is, is expected. And I think for most of us, without necessarily all having to get professional help, we'll all come back from it, we'll all be resilient, we'll all overcome it, but I think it's going to take a lot of time, and I'm not even sure what, it, what that's going to look like. Um, I really don't. But it got me thinking that one of my clinical specialty areas, I, if, in case I, you don't know who I am, I'm Dr. John Smith, I'm a, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, I'm a psychotherapist, also best-selling author of a book, uh, which is called The Authentic Man, A Guide to Happiness and Purpose. And uh, I think it would be a great book, uh, especially these days, uh, for, for those of you that are interested in reading a book. And it's, it's about men, but it actually is a book for men and women. And I think it would be uh, something useful. There's some, some really good exercises in there and things to do and just some really good insights. So uh, I had to give some sort of shameless self-promotion there for a minute. But uh, the reason I'm bringing it up also is that one of my areas of expertise clinically, or actually two areas, one is working with addiction, and the second is working with trauma, or what we would call emotional trauma. Well, why would I be working with those two things? Uh, what would be the, the connection? Well, what I've learned, and it's, it's actually pretty shocking, is that about 90% or up to 90% of the people who develop a substance use disorder have a history of trauma, emotional trauma, usually beginning in childhood. Uh, that doesn't mean that's the only trauma they've experienced. But the trauma-substance use link is very, very strong. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if people are currently experiencing some level of trauma in their lives right now, uh, they're also, as I know, uh, they're also increased their use of alcohol and other drugs. And so I think we're going to see a huge surge. We're already starting to see it, but I think it's even going to become uh, greater as as uh, the, the fog of this whole experience clears. And we're going to see an increase in addiction and uh, we're definitely going to see people walking around in a state of trauma. And I'll explain a little bit more about what that looks like as we go through the program tonight. But I wanted to start off with the first part of that, which would be addiction. People become addicted, in this case, to substances. Sometimes they can develop behavioral addictions like gambling or sexual addictions or even cyber addiction. When's the last time you went to a, a, see a group of people together, maybe your own dinner table, and everybody's got their face in an electrical device, and uh, if you try to take it away from them or have them put them down, it, it, it's almost like they go into a, a spasm. There have actually been cases of people going into violent rages because they uh, had their cyber device, uh, electronic device, removed from them or taken away from them, and and they literally lost it because of that. <clears throat> so there, there are a lot of different kinds of addiction, but the reason I'm bringing up addiction is that the, the frequency of addiction has, uh, it, again, it's really increasing. It's on the rise, and, you know, it's sort of taken second place to COVID. But before that, there was certainly in the news, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of talk, a lot of information about the opioid crisis. And you may have read about that. You may have heard about that. It may have even affected you on some level personally. It, it's here, and it's, it's worse than it's ever been. And one of the reasons right now that it is uh, so bad is that uh, f the drug fentanyl, which is about 50 to 100 times stronger than heroin, the drug fentanyl is being inserted and put into or cut into uh, almost all of the drugs that are being sold on the street. They're false drugs that are being sold on the street. For example, drugs sold as Xanax, which is a tranquilizer. Uh, is, it's not really Xanax. It's almost pure fentanyl. 
And so people are taking it unknowingly, thinking it's one thing, and then they're overdosing and dying because they don't realize what it is they're putting in their body. Uh, it's certainly being mixed into the heroin supply. Uh, but pretty much any drug you're getting on the street, even methamphetamine, which is a stimulant, uh, many times contains some level of fentanyl. Why is that? Well, fentanyl is manufactured primarily in China. It's a white powder, uh, and it is cheap to make. It's synthetic. It's cheap to make, and therefore, when it is cut into other drugs, not only do you get a bigger high because of it, but it also is cheap to cut and, and extend the, the, uh, the amount of drugs that a person uh, has, and so, uh, but, but it's, it's deadly, and I only bring that up because I've known personally several people who have overdosed and died on fentanyl uh, because it's, it's really a sad experience. Well, what's that got to do, again, with, with what I'm going to talk about tonight? Well, I wanted to start with addiction, because when we think about addiction, we think, well, okay, anybody can become addicted to anything. And to some extent, that's true. But to another extent, there are some people that are more prone to addiction than others. Well, who are these people? Uh, first, these are people who pick the wrong parents. No parents, I'm not blaming you. But what I mean is, is that there is a very, very strong genetic component or link to addiction. So if there's a family history of addiction, then the people in that family are more predisposed or prone to addiction. Well, why is that? Well, we haven't isolated the pure uh, genetic what genes are responsible, but we do know because it does run in families that there there's a, a strong component to that. And, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, most people, if you know that you have a family history, that doesn't guarantee that you'll become addicted. So if you start using substances, you have a brain that is wired a bit differently than the brains of people who don't become addicted. Um, Grandma falls and breaks her hip. Grandma winds up in the hospital, and Grandma is in a lot of pain. Well, Grandma gets a lot of morphine and other opiate drugs to help her manage her pain. She gets out of the hospital. She comes home. Does Grandma head to the heroin dealer? No, she doesn't. In fact, she has no desire to continue to use opiates, nor does she even likely experience any sort of withdrawal if she stops. Why is that? Well, she, she was using it for one, to treat what it was designed to treat, which is pain. Two, she didn't get high. It didn't make her high. So what we know is that when somebody uses a drug or a substance and it makes them high, there's a greater chance that they will become addicted to that drug. Well, okay, there's something else that you need to know. High is a subjective term. So my high and your high and your buddy's high and your neighbor's high are all different. And so people who are predisposed to addiction have a different kind of high or reaction to the substances that they take into their bodies. Why is that? Well, that in part is because their brain is wired a bit differently. There's this little place in the, in the middle of their brain. It's called the nucleus accumbens. Now, you're not going to have to remember that. There's no quiz tonight. Uh, but that particular area of the brain is thought to be associated uh, heavily with addiction because it's also called the pleasure and reward center in the brain. What's that? What's that mean? Well, it means that our brains are hardwired, not for drugs, uh, but they're hardwired to reward us when we do something that's beneficial to survival. When we get away from the saber-toothed tiger that was going to eat us, when we find food, when we quench our thirst, when we mate with our, our mate to uh, reproduce, Nature says those are things that are beneficial to survival. Keep doing them. We're going to make sure that you keep doing them, and we're going to give you a reward. We're going to make you feel good. 
And so a substance, uh, it's called a neurotransmitter, is released. And that particular neurotransmitter associated with reward and pleasure is called dopamine. Well, dopamine is a chemical that is released in abundance when we take substances that are what we call psychoactive, ones that can make us high, altering the way we feel, altering our perceptions, altering the way we think. And those psychoactive substances become, they fool the brain into thinking that those substances are more critical and important to survival than anything else natural because they cause a, a, a significant amount of dopamine to be released beyond what anything normal or natural can do. Well, some people who have this family history have brains that have nucleus accumbens that are very, very sensitive. I like to compare it to somebody that's, be, that's really ticklish. Well, you know, if, if you're really, really, really ticklish, when somebody comes towards you to tickle you or starts to tickle you, your reaction is really strong. You want to get away from them, and you're, you know, your, your reaction is really strong. Then there are some people who, yeah, they're ticklish. You tickle them, and they're going to react, but they're not so ticklish that they're just you know, literally going to fall down because you're tickling them. And then there are people that are not ticklish at all. Well, if we think of addiction this way, there are some people whose nucleus accumbens are extremely ticklish. So when tickled with a drug, or in some cases a behavior, it produces a significant, greater than normal amount of dopamine. And in these cases, for people prone to addiction, there's an extra boost of dopamine that gets transmitted. And so what we actually get addicted to is our own uh, neurotransmitter dopamine for the most part. The drug causes the release of dopamine, which then causes the, the high and the feeling. Well, okay, let's act, tell me more. So, so this nucleus accumbens that is extra sensitive is what separates you, who has the family history, from your buddy next door who doesn't. Well, you both start drinking and using drugs at about the same time. Uh, maybe you go through a stage where you're drinking a lot or using a lot, so is your buddy, but your buddy has a different experience, and your buddy probably gets to the point where he says, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. The person who's prone to addiction says, I can't do enough of this. I can't stop. I got to keep doing it. I got to keep doing it. And eventually, they stop using it to get high, and now they're using it just to feel normal. Eventually, they stop using it to feel normal, and they use it to avoid withdrawal. So, so that's how addiction starts, and that's what addiction is for those who have the family history. Now, we're going to be taking a break very shortly, and when we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you about one of the second reasons why people become addicted. We'll be right back. cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-616-4199 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-616-4199. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today. Call 800-616-4199. 800-616-4199. The loss of a loved one is one of the most challenging experiences in a person's life. It's hard to know where to turn to make your loved one's final arrangements. 
Jesse Ruiz at Personal Funeral Planning in Ontario will treat you and your loved one with the respect you deserve. Jesse served in the Marine Corps in Desert Storm and understands what it takes to provide loyal, personalized, and empathetic service to those who need it most. The families of Michael Jackson, Brittany Murphy, Ed McMahon, and many others have trusted Jesse to provide them with the highest level of service and support. To work with Jesse, call 909-762-4027, 909-762-4027, or visit their website, www.4pfp.org. www.4pfp, as in personalfuneralplanning.org. Jesse Ruiz and Personal Funeral Planning, veteran-owned and operated, helping you plan a personal, lasting tribute for your loved one. www.4pfp.org. Welcome back, friends. You're tuned to KCAA Radio, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM, or on the World Wide Web at kcaaradio.com. This is Viewpoint with Father John, and I'm your guest host tonight, Father John Reed. Uh, if you joined us uh, after the intro to the show tonight, just wanted to shout out to Father John. He's at home recuperating. He fell ill, but he's doing fine. He's at home. He's just getting his strength back. So uh, if you get a chance, drop him a note and wish him the best, and uh, he will be back hopefully next week, if not uh, very soon. So uh we miss him, and we'll wish him well. So thank you, Father John. Okay, so before the break, I was talking about addiction, and I was talking about one of the causes of addiction, or main causes, is is not just drugs. Uh, it's the family history of drug addiction, meaning that it's it's the person's genetic makeup or their 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 biology that predisposes them to addiction means that they're way more likely to become addicted if, if they start using substances, which at some point in time, usually during adolescence, most of us are exposed to drugs or alcohol, and very often we will experiment with or try drugs and alcohol. That's, that's kind of the norm, uh, but it affects people differently even though we don't realize that we're different. And one of the other things that I tell folks is that the it's like having a having a pilot light lit inside of you that you don't really even know you have, and the pilot light is there, and it you know if you don't use drugs or alcohol, then it never ignites or it never gets hotter. But when you put drugs and alcohol on that pilot light, it starts to ignite and it starts to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And eventually, if you keep doing it, it, it becomes an addiction. Well, if you stop using substances, it, the, the one thing about addiction is the pilot light never goes out. It may cool off and we may be able to stop the addiction from progressing but the pilot light in those that have it never really goes out. So we always have to be cautious because if we start putting gasoline on that pilot light again, uh, it can reignite very quickly. Usually it does, and it isn't long before the person's right back to where they were before they stop. So let's talk now about number two, the, the issue number two, uh, relative to addiction, and that is we know that people who have a lot of, of environmental stress, which we often will refer to as trauma, especially when they're children growing up and, and their brain is still developing, that that trauma can affect the brain in such a way, or that what we call chronic stress, can affect the brain in such a way that it makes it predisposed to addiction, very similar to the way the family history does. Now, if a person has a family history and the trauma, uh, <laughs> which is, these are the folks we typically see in, in, in treatment quite often, they have both, uh, it's because, you know, they didn't stand a chance, really. They had two things against them. So when they started drinking and using, uh, one, they found out very quickly that doing so helped relieve a lot of their emotional 
symptoms. It made their emotional turmoil, their emotional pain go away. Maybe it made uh, bad thoughts, bad memories of traumatic experiences. Maybe it quieted things down for a little bit. So it became an escape. It became a coping mechanism. And I often will uh, describe addiction to my students and to my patients. I'll say that addiction started out as a solution. A solution to what? Well, it's a solution to the pain emotional pain, the trauma, it started out as a solution and then it became a problem. So very often when people come into treatment or even if they don't come to treatment, they, uh, but they have a substance use disorder or problem, uh, very often that is, you know, there's, there's a trauma link to that. So many of us have experienced things, especially during our childhood, that we might consider traumatic or disturbing, right? But there's been a lot of research, not only on addiction, but how trauma affects the developing brain. And again, one of the things that it does, that we know that it does, is like family history, it predisposes a person to addiction. So imagine for a minute that a child is experiencing a very chaotic family environment where there may be abuse or neglect occurring. Uh, maybe there's a lot of fighting. Maybe there's domestic violence. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maybe there's just a lot going on. Uh, there's maybe a parent who has a substance use problem. Maybe the family is dealing with other stressors like unemployment, financial stressors. Uh, there can be many things that can cause a chaotic environment. Uh, and just by being in that environment, that by itself can be traumatic. Now, not everybody who experiences that is going to develop an addiction, of course, and not everybody who experiences that is going to have lasting, lifelong issues related to that trauma. But some people are more resilient than others, and that then they have other other things going for them that help them sort of get past that trauma and where it has less of an effect on them. But other people are more affected by it and, and sometimes more affected even by less. So we can't compare my trauma was worse than yours or my trauma wasn't as bad as yours uh, because it's not the trauma itself, it's the effect of that trauma or the accumulative effect of many traumas. Well, what's that got to do with today? Well, I'm going to tell you. We're in an environment now that I believe, I'm, I'm just, I feel it myself, so I'm, I don't think I'm making it up in my head, but I believe we're in an environment right now where we're experiencing a significant amount of stress. And for many of us, that stress is very traumatic. What's happening, though, is that if we're really reacting to it strongly, probably what's happening is that it's lighting up other 
traumas that we've experienced. I call it the Christmas tree light effect. You know, Christmas tree lights are all wired on one circuit, right? You plug in the Christmas tree lights, hopefully they all light up, right? I love that. Now, one of those lights goes out, then what happens? Unfortunately, unless you buy the real expensive kind, they all go out. I hate that. Then you got to try to figure out, well, which is the one that went out and try to replace it. Usually I just throw them away and buy a new strand. I think they, they figure that that's what most people are going to do. So they, they make sure that the lights go out uh, regularly so you have to replace them. But our mind organizes things on circuits similar to Christmas tree lights. So this thing that happened when I was 6 and this thing that happened when I was 10 and this thing that happened when I was 13 and so on and so forth, there's something structurally similar about them and our brain says, okay, we're going to put these all on the same circuit. They're not the same thing, but there's something similar about them. Uh, so the brain says, okay, so traumas, for example, are usually organized together on the same circuit. And as you know, many people have had multiple traumatic experiences throughout their life. Well, think about it. So when something triggers this trauma that is happening right now, it's going to light up the whole circuit. So not only is it triggering the right now trauma, it's triggering all of the other ones that are on the circuit. Right? And maybe some of those had been dormant for a while and hadn't really been causing a problem, but this new trauma is lighting up the whole circuit, so now our reaction is much stronger. Right? So people who have experienced traumas, especially again during childhood, are more affected by those traumas, and it's not only just the trauma they experience, but it's the number of traumas that they experience that seems to cause the most profound and severe effects. Some of them I'm going to talk about here in a minute uh, you might be surprised about because it's not only just psychological effects, it's also physical or medical effects. In fact, the lifespan of people who've had several traumas is much shorter than the lifespan of people who haven't. So uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a, the correlation is, is astounding. So this child who's experiencing these chaotic experiences, these traumatic experiences, they got to find ways to cope with this. All right? They may stuff their feelings. They may learn to do what we call disassociate. That's where they sort of shut down and separate themselves from themselves psychologically and from their world emotionally. So it's, it's like they, you know, they go inward or they go to their happy place. They kind of check out and they're not aware. It's like, it's like a circuit breaker in the brain that keeps them from experiencing the overwhelming effect of whatever trauma is going on, right? So there was a movie uh, that I saw. It's been several years ago. Some of you may have seen it. If you haven't, I urge you to see it, although uh, it, is, uh, it is pretty graphic. It's a movie called Precious. And without going into too many graphic details, this girl Precious was being horribly abused physically and sexually uh, by her mother and by her mother's boyfriend. And uh, it was just, it was, it was pretty awful for her. And in one scene in particular in the movie, she was being abused sexually. Uh, it shows her as she was, this was happening. It shows her uh, disassociating and going to, I'll call it her happy place in her mind. And in, in, it shows the sequence where she was at, she was at a, 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 a an elegant ball. She was dressed in a fancy gown. She was having this elegant experience. So her body was there, but her mind wasn't. And I chose this example because as awful as it was, it's not an uncommon scenario. This happens quite a lot. Sometimes it continues on into adulthood, the dissociation. Uh, like most of us, though, we develop these coping skills as children, but as we get a little bit older, usually in our 
teenage years, sometimes earlier than that, but in our teenage years, we get exposed to alcohol and drugs. So when we use alcohol and drugs, then all of a sudden we realize that for a moment, those disturbing memories and emotions may be relieved. They may go away or they may at least quiet down. And the person thinks, well, where's this stuff been all my life? So now I know what I'm going to do. So after uh, the, the substance wears off and then the emotions and the memories return, then, of course, what do I do again? I use the substance and I quiet it back down. And again, I say what started out then as a, as a way to cope and it started out as a solution ultimately becomes a problem. Right Now we've got two problems. We've got the substance use or the addiction and we got the trauma. And unfortunately, a lot of our treatment programs for substance use, uh, they might help identify trauma, but they're not necessarily always good at, at helping to work with that trauma. And then a lot of our mental health professionals who work with trauma don't necessarily understand addiction. So uh, we need to do better at that, folks. Uh, we need to really do better at linking trauma and substance use disorder treatment together and providing really adequate uh, treatment for both so that we can help people get back on track who are suffering usually from both types of situations. So there was this study that was done. It, if you're interested in it, you can Google it. It was called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. All right, It's called ACEs. It was a study done by the Kaiser Foundation, and it looked at the significance of those people who have suffered traumas during childhood. That would be before age of 18. And it looked at the effect that these experiences, both separately and cumulatively, had on the person and what, was the, what were the outcomes of people who had had traumas during childhood. How did it affect the person? Okay. Uh, what they found was was not only eye-opening but it was it was shocking it was shocking so the study again looked at not only physical traumas like physical or sexual abuse but they also looked at things like neglect emotional or physical kinds of neglect uh abandonment such as you know a parent who leaves or or uh, is no not around emotionally or even physically uh, it included family or household issues such as somebody with a substance use problem, uh, domestic violence, someone in the home with a mental illness, someone who was in the home that was incarcerated. Uh, they also included parental separation and divorce. Okay, so they were looking at not only things that most of us would say are traumatic, like violence or abuse, but they were also looking at this, the effects of this, of chaos, is what I'm calling it. Uh, all of this chaotic, stressful environment and all of this stuff going on. I mean, as, as children need consistency and predictability, sometimes we've seen that even a, a predictably bad parent is because they're predictable is going to have a better outcome for a child than a parent who is unpredictable and inconsistent because the kid has trouble then adapting and coping to that situation it puts them in a state of chronic stress and in that state of chronic stress especially on that developing brain it's going to do things to that brain that ultimately at least for our conversation today uh predispose them to addiction but as you'll see in a minute it also predisposes them to many other things that uh, that are not so great so let's let's look at some of the things that they found in this study uh, it, it it you know it again was was very shocking and eye-opening and this, these are some of the things that they found. Okay, so one of the things that they found was that over 60% of the people, actually it was 67% of the population, have at least one adverse childhood experience. You know, that, that might be 
you know, that might be a divorce. It could be, you know, there it could be a lot of things that, that they've experienced. What I'm telling you isn't that if you've had that experience and you've had that ACE, which, again, most of us have had one, it's not the, the, the specific ACE, it's the number of ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, number of traumas experienced that are, the, that seems to be what, what increases the likelihood of, of future problems, right? So not only did the presence of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences during childhood, increase the risk and likelihood of experiencing emotional and psychological problems, but it also increased the risk of a host of other serious medical problems, and as I said, even an earlier death. So according to a gentleman by the name of Dr. Robert Block, he's the former director of the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, he, he says, quote, adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today. Let me say that again. Adverse childhood experiences are the single greatest unaddressed public health threat facing our nation today. Now, this was written before COVID, so people might say, well, COVID is the greatest public health, although it's being addressed, at least it is now, right? We don't talk about ACEs. We don't, most of us don't even know what, what that means or what that is, and we certainly don't talk about our traumas, usually, and we generally don't like to talk about traumatic experiences or, or reveal them to other people, and so we sort of sit around quietly, maybe not even realizing that these things have had an effect on us, or if we do, we keep them quiet. Maybe we don't even associate them with our substance use. Maybe we don't associate them as maybe one of the main reasons for our depression. Maybe we don't associate them as one of the main reasons for our anxiety. But I'll guarantee you as a, as a practitioner, as a professional, that when I go to work with somebody who has any of those conditions, I'm always aware of and looking for, okay, so what happened to you? Not what's wrong with you. Thinking of it differently. Not what's wrong with you. What happened to you? Because something happened, maybe several things happened that had an effect on you. It had an effect on the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you behave. And because it had that effect, you developed coping mechanisms. Some were adaptive coping mechanisms and some were maladaptive coping mechanisms, but you still developed ways to deal with the trauma and uh, that had a long-term lasting effect. It still may be affecting you. That's why you have depression. That's why you have anxiety. That's why you're abusing substances. That's why you can't stay clean and sober because as soon as we take away the substances, all of those negative emotions start coming back and flooding back in. What's the first thing you think to do? Well, I'm going to go use because that's the only thing I know that works. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So this is a big deal, yet you probably, maybe, you know, I don't know how many of you have heard of this, but, uh, you know, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard of it. But I urge you to take a look at, at it. You can Google it. Uh, but I'm going to give you some more information on it here. So here are some, some more findings from the study. 
Okay. So number one, I mentioned about the, 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 some of the long-term effects. The, the, the number that seems to be the biggest predictor of future problems is four. Huh? Four. The number four, what's that mean? Well, they found that people who had four or more ACEs were the ones that were the most affected and the most likely to experience future problems. And at the more ACEs they experienced, the greater the problems were or the risk for problems were, were going to be later on in, in, in their life. They came up with a questionnaire, which I will give you all uh, before we're done tonight, so you can count your own score. Uh, but they came up with a, a, a questionnaire that had 10 questions. So a yes answer to any question was one point. So you could get a, a total of 10 points or 10 aces. All right. So again, what they found was that a yes to four or more was that was sort of the, the, the point where we really started to see problems was was at the number four so here are some findings so people who had four or more aces had three times the levels of lung disease and adult smoking so they probably started smoking at a young age they may have started smoking to cope with anxiety or other problems maybe they were just hanging around people that were smokers and maybe it was happening in the home who knows but they were more likely to be smokers and they had three times the levels of lung disease so they were smokers probably for a long time and they had a you know they they were probably heavy smokers they had 11 times the level of intravenous or IV drug use. People with four or more ACEs were 11 times more likely to have IV drug use than people with fewer than four. They had 14 times the number of suicide attempts. Now, People who are depressed often are suicidal. Most people who commit suicide are depressed. Not all depressed people are suicidal. But 14 times the number of suicide attempts, 14 times more likely if they had four or more ACEs. Tell me that ACEs have nothing to do with mental health. Substance use included under mental health. They're four times more likely to have begun having sexual intercourse by age 15. So typically, the more ACEs, the earlier one starts sexual behavior, and maybe that's from being sexually abused and being sexualized at an early age. That often happens. They're more likely to have started smoking and using other substances, alcohol and other drugs, at an earlier age. I think in my 40 years or so of practice in the field, uh, probably one of the youngest kids that I ever heard, or at least started at the, the youngest age on a regular basis, was somebody at about eight or nine years old. And, of course, you can probably say, well, I know somebody that, you know, their dad gave them a beer when they were three. And, yes, there are plenty of incidents where children were given drugs or alcohol uh, in their infancy just to maybe help them to sleep or whatever. But uh, as far as they're, they're using substances on a regular basis, uh, the, again, the earliest age that I can recall was about eight or nine. Uh, but I'm sure some of you probably have stories or know people that are, have started even before that. So they're four and a half times higher or a greater chance of developing severe depression. Which correlates to that number of suicide attempts. Okay. So they're <clears throat> two times, have two times the level of liver disease. Uh, if you're not familiar with the link 
on, on substance use in the liver, the, the liver is the organ in the body that uh, does all the heavy lifting when it comes to detoxifying the body of toxic substances, alcohol and drugs being considered toxic substances. So the liver does most of the work, and over time, if the liver is doing the heavy work uh, and, and uh, is overloaded, then the liver starts to become damaged. All right, uh, up to the point where uh, the parts of the liver die off, that's called cirrhosis of the liver. And once that part, th those parts of the liver die off, they can't regenerate and grow back. And ultimately, if a person develops too much cirrhosis in the liver, they die because you can't live without a liver. So uh, they are uh, more likely because of the exposure to the amount, the frequency, and the length of time they've been using toxic substances, they uh, have a higher chance of developing liver disease and, and probably dying from that. Because we know that people, interestingly, here, here's one that you're, people who have six or more ACEs, six out of ten or more, six between six and ten, are more likely to die 20 years sooner than someone who has none. So the, the lifespan of someone with six or more ACEs is about 20 years shorter than for those who have none. Well, so this isn't just something that affects us physically or uh, emotionally or psychologically it's also something that <clears throat> changes our lifestyle our, our habits our behaviors and can affect us not only uh, from a psychological standpoint but also affects us from a physical medical standpoint as well uh, the the folks who have more aces are at increased risk of heart disease they're at increased risk of stroke cancer, COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease that often comes from smoking, uh, diabetes, obesity, and they are more accident-prone, broken bones. Now, of course, you might say, well, that comes along with using substances. Absolutely, that increases all of those things uh, as well. But just think about it. The, the folks who have experienced these things in their childhood before age of 18, the more of them that they've experienced, then the higher risk they have of developing all of these things that I have mentioned. Okay, And ironically, it didn't seem to matter which of the ACEs were experienced. It was the total number. Uh, and like as I said, four or more seemed to be the tipping point for most of the negative effects. Right. Uh, interestingly, here they found that about an eighth of the population, think about this for a minute, you math majors out there, think about it for a second, an eighth of the population suffered from four or more ACEs. That's one out of every eight people. So gather up eight of your closest friends or family members, and at least one of them has had uh, a really bad childhood and they have had at least four or more aces happen to them in the first 18 years of their life that's a lot of people that's one out of every eight people it's astounding and if you think about the effects now that again the good news is that while there's certainly a negative impact there are other factors that I will talk about that will that are sort of mitigating factors, and I'll I'll bring those in because not everybody's doomed, right? I I, I work with and know a lot of people and have worked with them as my clients and worked with them as my colleagues. Uh, many of them who are in recovery from substance use disorders, many of them who've had significant traumas in their life and through therapy and other uh, work that they've done, they've, they've, they've managed to overcome a lot of those negative effects. So they're not doomed, but were they affected? Absolutely. Are they out of the woods totally? No. 
not totally, but but many of them have worked through it or are working on it, and that is helping them to become more resilient and, and bounce back from some of these things. But then we know a lot of people who go through life because they're ashamed or they're guilty or they're just lost that they don't ever seek help or they don't ever talk about it with anyone or it's too painful or they're too ashamed or guilty to talk about it. So it goes unnoticed. It, 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 it becomes something that the person walks around with that affects them that they never get over because they never do anything specifically to, to get over it. One out of every eight people. So given the sheer numbers, I, I, I believe that trauma is, you know, is probably the underlier of most emotional, psychological problems, right? I, certainly, we, I think it's the cause of most cases of depression, Others might argue with me on that. That's fine. I'm just telling you what my opinion is. I think it's certainly at the base of most serious anxiety-type problems. And I think it is at the core of most substance use disorders. Well, let's take a break. Come on back, and uh, I'm going to read you the questionnaire. You can take it yourself and count your aces, which is probably something you need to know. We'll be right back. The loss of a loved one is one of the most challenging experiences in a person's life. It's hard to know where to turn to make your loved one's final arrangements. Jesse Ruiz at Personal Funeral Planning in Ontario will treat you and your loved one with the respect you deserve. Jesse served in the Marine Corps in Desert Storm and understands what it takes to provide loyal, personalized, and empathetic service to those who need it most. The families of Michael Jackson, Brittany Murphy, Ed McMahon, and many others have trusted Jesse to provide them with the highest level of service and support. To work with Jesse, call 909-762-4027, 909-762-4027, or visit their website, www.4pfp.org. www.4pfp, as in personal funeral planning.org. Jesse Ruiz and Personal Funeral Planning, veteran owned and operated, helping you plan a personal, lasting tribute for your loved one. www. Back. You're tuned to KCAA Radio, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM, or on the World Wide Web at kcaaradio.com. This is Viewpoint with Father John, and I'm your guest host, Dr. John Smith. Uh, we're getting close to the end, so I wanted to make sure I gave you this quiz. Uh, Ten points. Answer yes for any, or one point for every yes, uh, zero points for a no. Uh, and uh, I'm going to give you kind of a, 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 an advisory here. If you got small kids around, some of these questions might be a little sensitive, so you want to make sure you you uh, you know have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of privacy. But before you were 18, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, or put you down, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid you might be physically hurt? Yes or no. Did a parent, or number two, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Yes or no. Number three, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you or have you touched their body in a sexual way or attempt to have intercourse with you? We're already finishing up the show. Unfortunately, I'm not going to have time to finish the questionnaire. I'm sorry to have started it and have to finish it real fast. Uh, go to the web and look up the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Uh, you'll see the questionnaire in there and can take it online. Uh, thank you for letting me be the guest host. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.